know, identifying our resources and mapping our needs and then prioritizing the gaps and attacking the gaps. And as that started happening in a very rapid cycle to be able to force multiply faster than COVID could, the cross-sector collaboration started to happen. So it's like, okay, the detention center is running out of hand sanitizer and education is saying, okay, Highlands University, we have a chemistry lab. We're going to start making hand sanitizer. Welcome to a very special episode of World Matters. We are the nation's leading podcast on a mission to increase awareness, inform discussion, and promote intelligent dialogue on the most important issues facing rural stakeholders today. I'm your host, Michelle Rathman. Now, before I tell you about who I've got with me today, I want to say once again that I am so thankful you've made it your choice to join us for another insightful Real Matters conversation. Of course, you know you can listen to Real Matters on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcast. The one favor we have is that you will subscribe so that you can receive new episodes automatically, and we hope that you will tell your colleagues and friends about us. Now, I want to tell you that I'm told by my producer that we are just really one episode away from reaching our 25,000 download mark. And I'm going to predict that this conversation will be the one push that we need to get us there because joining me is Matt Probst. Now, Matt is a physician assistant and the medical director of El Centro Family Health serving northern New Mexico. You may also remember him from the award-winning documentary, The Providers, which is how I met Matt last year when I was working on events for National Rural Health Day on behalf of the National Organization of State Offices of Rural Health. Uh, Matt and I, I'm so pleased to share that we stayed in touch after meeting in New Mexico last year. And just a few weeks ago, uh, Matt contacted me to share information about what his community is doing to respond to COVID-19. Uh, on top of his many, and I mean many, responsibilities and all the hats that he wears, Matt is also serving as the 100% Community San Miguel County Community Organizer, and he is going to tell our Rural Matters listeners all about this really remarkable effort to respond to the pandemic and how it all began, and we're also going to share with you about a virtual event that we're cooking up um, that we really believe will benefit so many rural counties across America. Welcome, Matt, to Rural Matters. It is really a joy and an honor to have you with me today. Thank you, Michelle. It's a joy to be here. Well, we have a lot to unpack. I want to start with this. So for those who may not have seen the film, and um, I'm going to shame on you, you got to go, you have to see that for yourself because it's really remarkable. Um, for those who don't have an understanding of the challenges that your community and others like yours face, give us our listeners a snapshot of what it's like to be in your shoes uh, as a provider caring for an underserved community. Wow. Um, you know, as I say in the film, there's so much beauty here, uh, but there is so much pain. And so I think it, it really is, you know, a balance between those two things. And so there's so many amazing, wonderful, just awesome experiences that come in rural health. Um, it's a very, very rewarding um, type of work. I mean, the setting itself is just beautiful. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're a mountain boy like me, then then you're right at home. Um, and, and all of that is just excellent. The culture, the traditions, just the people, you know, is is just awesome and and just a total pleasure to be a part of. Um, with that, though, comes a unique set of challenges, uh, challenges that, that really stem from being under resourced. Mm -hmm. And so um, yeah, I think it's a good know, word, Matt, because I'll just sorry to say, I mean, we use the word underserved. 
But I really, because you serve them over the top, it really is under-resourced. Yeah, yeah. So I think exactly. I mean, that that really is the issue there. And so, yeah, I love that. I mean, actually, that's what it is. It's it's not underserved. It's under-resourced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so what is rural health about? And And I would also say, what is any underserved health about, you know, probably across the world and whether that's, you know, inner city urban or or frontier um, rural health. It's about, you know, doing the best you can with what you have mm-hmm. and and learning how to make things stretch and how to make a whole lot out of a little bit. And so, you know, those are unique challenges um, and you end up with very uh, with a lot of innovation and unique solutions to to ensure you can take care of your people. Yeah. And that's it. Cause it kind of leads me to my next uh, you know, question here because you are, you know, there are problem solvers, but I like to spin it the other way. I like to call it solution finders. You know, the problems are not hard to find. It's the solutions that can be so difficult and challenging. And so often Matt, you know, those who are in your shoes and rural communities and, and serving these populations whom we know are generally sicker and poorer. And that stems from all these under-resourced, you know, areas that we're talking about. Um, it can be difficult to know where to start or how to get to the root of the disparities and uh, that cause harm. And, 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 you know, we can go down the board of what those are. So whether it's access to water, to housing, to education, to broadband. But in your particular case, um, again, you're a solution finder. You came across a book called 100% Community. And there's kind of a subtitle to that. So uh, now that you are kind of like, emerging as this amazing spokesperson for not just about how great the book is, but what it, what it can actually do, uh, move, move people from thinking about things to actually doing things and having a, a playbook to do that. So tell us about the book and how it spoke to you. Sure. So, so yeah, I mean, and it really, you know, it's about um, stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love to tell stories, but, you know, my own story. So that was, you know, because of the film in, in large part, um, uh, bringing a lot of attention to the work that we do here in northern New Mexico and the providers documentary, you know, becoming uh, an award winning film. And, and um, out of that became the opportunities to speak across the country and share with others what we do and, um, you know, promote the film and promote rural health and, uh, you know, be on that stage and, and that road show, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is unfamiliar charted ground for me. But yeah, I mean, it really is, uh, you know, a lot was a lot of travel. Um, during that time, uh, a very busy 2019, especially the end of 2019, which, you know, also led to a lot of trophies on the wall. You know, I know you guys can't see behind me here, but, you know, it was, a year of, of the awards for, for Matt Pro. So, you know, 2019 PA of the year for the country, 2019 um, uh, National Association of Rural Mental Health Provider of the Year and, and 2019 Primary Care Collaborative hmm. Provider of the Year, along with my colleagues from the film, Dr. Hayes and Chris Ruge. You know, a lot of awards, a lot of attention, um, a lot of selfies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of I was one of them. I got a few of those too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pats on the back, but I will say that coming home um, at the end of 2019 um, to my community and and realizing that, wow, that's a lot of fame, attention, awards, but you know, do we have any more resources here? Mm-hmm. Do I have anything more? These, you know, these trophies on the wall, 
you know, to me, and, and again, I'm just a country boy. So just to use the hunting analogy, that's like antlers on the wall, right. no meat in the freezer. There's okay. no food on the table to feed my family, to feed my community. Um, and so I can't, I can't feed a community with antlers. Yes. Yeah, a uh, wonderful, beautiful to... analogy. Really appreciate that because, you know, here you all, you, you're, the film was acknowledged, was, you know, celebrated. It, it, I cried and it was a box of tissues to be sure it really did, you know, it turned up, it helped to show us all just the real disparities in so many parts of rural America today. And so that story needed to be told and it was told in such a beautiful way. But to your point, when you come back, you know, it's not about doing the same thing that, what is that saying? Uh, if you want, if you want something different, you, you, different result, you have to do something different. And if we do the same thing, we're going to, you're just going to keep on that treadmill, right? You're just going to keep going and caring for families and kind of trying to get money and so forth. And so you came across 100% community and it, I, I suspect as it did for me, it lit some light bulbs for you. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. So, you know, the point of me um, saying yes to doing the film and being a part of it was about, you know, me asking the filmmakers the question, is this going to serve the mission? Mm. You know, how is this going to bring resources? And so at the end, you know, there was that kind of empty gut feeling, that sickening feeling. I mean, I, I you know, with COVID, I've been using the war analogy a lot. It's like, you know, um, not to put myself anywhere on that level, but like, you know, a combat veteran, you know, being pinned with a, with a medal after serving our country and then, you know, having to go and be homeless or something. You know, I felt right. like that. It was just sickening. And so... You know, at the end of that, you know, it became like, now, how do we find the resources? How do we find the path forward? And so with that, you know, there was there was the opportunity to kind of, you know, as you know, Matt Probst kind of became a brand, if you will. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the individuals or agencies or, or, or programs started reaching out to me and saying, hey, would you sponsor our thing? Would you be a spokesperson for this thing or that thing? And so, you know, I, I really started looking for, well, what what is what is that? What is my thing? What is our thing here? And our thing is rural health. And our thing is, is this my home community in my home state of New Mexico? And so really, you know, pulling away from the national stage to say, okay, I've been doing this for the country. Now, how do I take care of New Mexico? And and particularly my own communities here in northern New Mexico, our seven counties, because we're not really any further ahead than we were when this started. And so um, looking and searching for that, I came across 100% community. And it really came that way. It came um, to say, hey, here's another thing. And would you consider supporting this? So I wanted to learn more about it. The first thing I was interested in, it was that it was specific to New Mexico um, and always thought that it could be the solution for the country and the world, but an initiative that was legislatively funded um, for New Mexico, a county by county initiative. And so it started sounding interested and then it, and it, it really um, touched on my passion. So 100% community was designed to end the childhood trauma epidemic. And as you know, youth medicine is my passion working with, our, with the youth and our Semillas de Salud program or Seeds of Health, Grow Your Own Health Professional program of mentoring youth to become our future workforce. That just resonated. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, maybe. So they said, well, read this book and then tell us what you think. So they sent me the, the book on, you know, online book, 564 pages. And I was on my way to New York um, for, a, for an award. And uh, 
And there were a lot of layovers and there was a lot of change. And so within that course of three days of travel, um, I had the opportunity to read the whole book uh, with a lot of downtime in airports and stuff here and there. So um, and, and when I did, I realized exactly what you said. This is different. This is not just talking about the problem. They did write a book that was about the problem. It's called Anna, age eight, mm-hmm. which really is the call to action. But 100% community is different. 100% community is a framework, an evidence-driven framework that is a plan of action. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got me excited because that's what I needed. I didn't need any more tell me what the problem yeah. is. I know what the problems yeah. are. I mean, we, the I do a lot of work around uh, stakeholder, community stakeholder engagement. We work with so many rural hospitals and clinics where, you know, people come in, they say, you know what you should do? And I tell people, my job is not to come here and tell you what you should do because enough people should all over you, right? We know what all these things that we should be doing. Right. How do we do it? And so we, what drew me to this so much is that we create playbooks for stakeholder engagement. How do you get your Meaningful interaction with children in school to teach them about health and wellness young. How do you work with their parents and with community businesses to do that? So this spoke to me because it just felt like this is what has been in my heart and what we've been doing here at Impact, my company, for 30 years. And then here, boom, this 100% community initiative completely different, but the foundation of it is the same. You have to have a plan. All the nuts and bolts of the how-tos, who should be at the table, what every uh, subgroup's purpose is, how they go about doing it. And so I would imagine you were a very quick study because these are things that you've been kind of patchworking together. I mean, you're a very deliberate person from what I know, but you've been doing this kind of without that playbook. And this, what I understand, gave you just so much, you know, tools that you, that you could expand your ideas. Yeah. I mean, it really was. And and something again, that had resonated, you know, in, um, in traveling the country and being asked a lot about our Samia's the Salute program and our Grow Your Own Health Professional program. And, you know, so then it was really about the same thing about saying, yes, it is local and it's got its own culture. It's got its own tradition. It's got its own local solutions, but there is a, a framework that any community, rural or, or otherwise, there are building blocks that you can put together that are very similar. And so you could follow that same recipe for, for creating your own future workforce. That's what this was. But at a whole nother level, again, to provide access to 10 vital services. Mm-hmm. And we we're, were talking about that. We're really talking about social determinants of health. And, and, and absolutely that was it. And, you know, I, I am a very deliberate person. I'm also, you know, um, I, I guess if anything, I'm more of an act, activist, way, way more of an activist than a politician. Let's put it that way. I consider myself an organizer. Sir, you are and no so, politician. You know, so I just want to set the record straight. <laughs> I've known a few. I would say activist is a better description. All right. So you got this, yeah. you, know, you, 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 you bought it, you know, bought into it, you understood it and you were going to be the champion. You decided that you could stand behind it. And uh, before we kind of go into how you made that shift and to respond to coronavirus, just tell me a little bit about how you got the process started to, cause you, you are an organizer in your community around many other things. How did you get the process started to get everybody else on board with the 100 community initiative playbook, if you will? Yeah. Well, the very first thing was the, um, the, the authors came in. They held a little meeting here at our United World College here in Las Vegas, New Mexico. And, and they, they invited some key stakeholders in. 
And so I was one of them. And you know what I was going to say there was, uh, so yeah, so um, uh, Dom and Doc, as we call them affectionately, uh, Dr. Catherine Courtney Ortega and Dominic Powell, the authors were there. And so they said, this is, you know, the thing. And what do you guys think as a community, as a county? Do you think you're, you you want to do this or you would do this? And I said, well, what do you mean? We're doing this. We don't need your permission. We're, we're doing it. We've already been doing this. We're doing this anyway. The difference is, our, it's what you said earlier. Are we piecing it together? Are we going about it our own way? Are we going to follow an evidence-driven recipe to success? And that we're absolutely, you know, we, we're going to do. And so that became the thing. And and then, you know, it was like, okay, that's part of what, um, what they look for. They look for a uh, catalyst in mm-hmm. every community. They look for one human that gets passionate about something and says, we're going to do this, you know, and uh, nothing's going to stop us. And so, and then you, and then they asked me, can you find 10 people? So a team of 11, one leader of each, for each of the 10 services, for each action team, can you find 10 to add to you? So that you guys could serve um, as an action team. And so that became my job. And so, you know, again, these are things in collaboration. And that's one of the beauties about rural health. That's the beauty part is that we collaborate all the time. You don't get things done in rural America unless you work together. So, you know, I already had all these connections in place. And so reaching out to people, it just started a web. And I think the, the passion and the excitement grew um and and so before you know it i had a team of oh gosh i think we're up to 28 leaders you know um 10 became 28 leaders um for action teams we have to have more than one for each team some of them have as many as four um on as leaders on a team and then each of those tables you know they started getting the excitement and going for, for each of their service sectors and the areas that, you know, their subject matter experts in and have their own um, collaboratives and, and network of people in. And, you know, before we knew it, we're up to where we are now, which we can say hundreds, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a county of, you know, less than 30,000 people, we've got hundreds of people involved in working and meeting on a weekly basis and sometimes on a daily basis to really expand and force multiply our growth um, specifically in response to COVID because we shifted, right? We shifted from talking about ending childhood trauma when COVID hit. It's like, Oh my gosh, we we're already forming. How do we now shift over to COVID response? Mm-hmm. And by the way, shifting to COVID response is, was also shifting to preventing childhood trauma or addressing that. So Matt, let me ask you, let me ask you really quickly. So did every member of the coalition, and I, I, that's the word kind of, I'm, I'm choosing to use the coalition. Um, was it a requirement that everyone I would imagine had to read the book, had to be on, had to understand the framework. Okay. So you're organized. You've got a lot of people who are excited about doing this, um, because it feels, you know, when things become more tangible and structured, there's a lot of personality types out there. They feel like they can really invest in it if they know what their role is. So you're all, you've organized, you're ready to go. And, um, I just want to uh, tell our listeners, I had an opportunity this past weekend on a Saturday morning to listen in on one of your um, your weekly calls. And I was 
and this was with all the different stakeholders from all these different agencies, from public health to sheriff to your team to you'll kind of go down that list for us. And I've got to tell you, folks, it is a I was blown away by what I learned. I mean, I was on for two. I listened. For, I got off just at the end of two hours listening to you all and how you organized. Um, I, again, I, I was just really astonished and I shouldn't be because I've been around rural for, for so long, as you said, and you don't get anything done if you don't do it together. But tell us about the teams that you have. If you could just give us a snapshot of the categories. And sure. from there, I want you to just share with us some of the initiatives that are going on. And in particular, I do want you to talk about the 100 percent of masks as well. So in the, so just give us a snapshot of what the teams look like and what they're up to. And then we can talk a little bit more about what they've accomplished thus far. Yeah. So to be able to play together, you have, everybody has to know the playbook. So you mentioned that. And so we created a book club because how do you get all these busy people? Many of them were, you know, like we've got the mayor and the city manager and the county manager and school board members and, you know, all of these local officials that wanted to be involved. And so so we created a book club and, you know, at seven o'clock PM for four weeks in a row, we worked mm. through each of the four sections of the book so that we could literally have the same vocabulary, be on the same page as we move together and in fighting COVID. And so, yeah, so you're talking about 10 vital services. So those 10 action teams are medical, we, medical slash dental. We call that one healthcare. It's its own, but there is also behavioral health has its own team. Food services and security, early childhood, and within early childhood, we have their child care, parent help, parent supports, job training and transitions, housing security, schools, particularly community schools, um, and in that we do both public education and higher education, transportation, and then youth mentoring, my passion, youth mentoring is another table. So 10 service sectors, and they all have, you know, again, their own subject matter expertise, their own um, uh, vocabulary, their own way of looking at things. But the exciting thing becomes when you have cross agency collaboration in each of those 10 sectors, you know, that that we're kind of used to. Mm -hmm. um, well, 100% community brings is now cross-sector collaboration. And so as we started working and forming these teams, and, and, and again, it's very scientific, which is what I love. So, you know, we do gap analysis. So we're, you know, we use quality studies and we're, we're you know, identifying our resources and mapping our needs and then prioritizing the gaps and attacking the gaps. And as that started happening in a very rapid cycle, very rapid cycle, plan, do, check, act cycles to be able to you know, force multiply faster than COVID could, mm. you know, the cross sector collaboration started to happen. So it's like, okay, the, the tension center is running out of hand sanitizer and education is saying, okay, Highlands University, we have a chemistry lab. We're going to start making hand sanitizer. Yeah. I love you that know? story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, things like that. And so um, transportation became food because we need buses to deliver to rural America school lunches and, um, you know, all of these different cross fuel, fuel for transportation. You're right. I mean, I heard you guys talk about fuel for transportation. You know, how, how can you get somewhere if you can't put uh, the gas in your tank? And you guys were talking about the you know, you have a goal. Let's just talk real quickly, since this is the topic of every community is masks. 
Um, yes. we, we know, I don't care. People can debate this all the live long day. At the end of the day, we need masks, right? And then I also right. want to talk to you about tests, but first talk to us about masks, just yeah. about that initiative in itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, when the cross sectors became, okay, child, healthcare needs childcare because, oh. you know, essential workers need to be, and then you need for childcare to feel comfortable with leaving your kid there, you need to make sure they have cleaning supplies. They have masks, right? So let's get to masks. So when we got to masks, and again, that being um, a, a state order from New Mexico, from our governor's office, and that also becoming a, for the city of Las Vegas here in San Miguel County, becoming a, a mayor's order um, that masks were needed, it became, okay, well, that's one thing, but how do we ensure everyone has masks? And, and that's really what 100% community is about. It's about everyone and together. Mm-hmm. Everyone working together to make sure that everyone has access to 10 vital services. What a concept. So yeah, to make sure that everyone has access to masks. And now every one of the 10 sectors needs masks, right? Childcare needs masks. Food needs masks. Not just medical, behavioral health needs masks. Dental's now reopening and they need masks. Every sector needs masks. So let's have one project. It was our first project where we said, let's all work together every sector work together to make sure that every resident in San Miguel County has access to cloth masks. And at the same time, ensuring when we're doing that, that we are not um, diluting our ability to ensure that healthcare agencies have N95 masks Mm -hmm. and surgical masks that are required to do healthcare work. So the most beautiful thing to me that was so 100% community was when we first started, we created a lead team around masks. And it was actually a dean of students from the United World College, Naomi Swinton, who said, I'll take the lead of the mask making initiative. And, you know, I think we've got about 100 mask sewers um, signed up now. As she said, you realize if we make all these masks, there's people out there right now that are sewing masks and selling them um, to put food on the table because they're out of work. And they're needing to figure out some way to make an income. And so if we come in with this free masks for everyone thing, we could be putting people out of work. We could be taking food off the table of families. That cannot happen. So we came up with this beautiful initiative, which is, yes, through grants and through donations, we get all the supplies for masks for free. But we stipend the, the mask makers. The sewers get stipend. And, you know, some sewers are just wanting to volunteer their time. But there's others that need that little bit of money to, to survive. And so for them, they'll be able to earn stipends. And then now it even became something even more beautiful, which is economic recovery. So it's economic yeah. survival right now. But economic recovery, it becomes that. Well, how will this be sustainable after all the masks? I love that. Well, you know, to me, Matt, that's something yeah. that I, I, I see that in my brain, the way my brain works. That to me is strategy. Yes. Yeah. Now, so it's we are able, that whole this, yeah, right? full circle. This is strategy because we know that that the impl, you know the implication. You know, we're not just trying to affect change in one area. That I I just love that. And I I want to just mention really quick something. One of the things that I picked up on that conversation was that you all even got into the conversation about some of the stigmas around wearing masks. Uh, right. and I, I love that you all were looking at that because that's what we have to do to be thoughtful about, you know, con- considering all the possibilities and all the different scenarios, which is a strategic way to respond versus just kind of the knee jerk way to respond. And I think therein lies the big differences. Um, I, I want to make sure I have a couple more things and we got to share with people about, you know, kind of this this uh, event that we're cooking up together. Um, 
if you could just tell me, I, I know that your efforts have not gone, gone unnoticed, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your efforts being recognized by your governor's office. And so I would like for you to just share with us some of the work that you're doing on the state level. And, and I don't, I'm not sure how you're keeping your, your head about you to, to, you know, lead such a big thing in your own county. But what's going on on the state level across New Mexico? And what can you just tell us about your efforts with respect to testing and contact tracing and all that? Yeah, so, you know, COVID um, testing and COVID response uh, coordination is now, you know, my official role for the Northeast region of New Mexico. So that's seven counties um, that we serve here and we are creating a model. And, you know, again, that's also in part to New Mexico being a pilot state for for the country to say, well, how can we use testing to really help guide a path forward to reopening? And so, so. San Miguel County, you know, started something that got attention, said, wow, how are they being able to do so much with so little? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then how do we replicate that to the full region and get these counties to start working together to to again pull their efforts? You know, I I I I say we're a big aspen grove, right? We're not single trees. Our roots are all connected, not just in one one county, but across all 33 counties of New Mexico and across all of rural America. And we're one, we're one just beautiful yeah. organism. Yeah, I love, that, I love that analogy. Um, I call it the mad effect. You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like the other, the other mad effect is the ten, 10 fingers and you weave them together. You know, you put them together and then you have the mat selfie, right? With your hands in front of you, with your 10 fingers woven together. And so weaving with a capital WE and, and, you know, the local success is now being recognized and, you know, as a solution and a path forward for New Mexico. And I, I hope as a solution and a path forward for all my um, rural neighbors in, in America. So we're going to, we're going to help spread the word on that. Right. I, I think what you guys are doing I mean, in this time, um, I, you know, rural has always been innovative, but in this time when we're all working at home, I'm recording this from my home office, you're in your office. Um, but this is a message that I think, you know, even though I, I kind of say the time to plan for a crisis is not when you're in the middle of it. However, I think that we can all agree that rural America will find itself with a whole new set of challenges because of COVID-19. Um, you know, we know we've have we've had hospitals closing as a result of this. We know that primary care practices in many parts of the country are struggling. And if you don't have health care as the first line of defense in a pandemic, I mean, we're we're going to be in, in big, big trouble as, as we go on. And if these other waves as we're as scientists are, are predicting are coming. And so you and I talked about having a online live teaching event, a learning and listening event where you and the authors of 100% community and a couple of members of your coalition, your task force will come together and uh, we are going to have a really robust discussion about the intricacies of the how-tos, the whys, who should be at the table, answering a lot of questions about how to get this started. And, and man, I want to ask you, do you think that even at this point in time where we're at, you know, here we are in May. Um, are there ways that people can pick up what you all have laid down on the table and say, yes, we can get something started today? 
Absolutely. So, you know, just so, yeah, we've been working now for six weeks to organize 10 vital service sectors. And and in six weeks, we have an online resource guide. We have a call center for access to any vital services. We have, you know, all kinds of momentum going, but it was only, it took us six weeks. I will say that, you know, what every community needs is what you just said. We, we have to start with medical right now to deal with the pandemic. All services are important, all 10, but medical's got to be the focus. So just in one week, I mean, I was just started, what is today? Right, today, <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah. It's, all, it's all blurred together, but mm-hmm. I will just say that last week, um, uh, at the end of the week, um, our Secretary of Health, Secretary Kunkel, made it official that you know I was going to work in this capa- capacity and coordination for for the other counties in northeastern region, not just San Miguel. And so, you know, here we are. Um, and so, yesterday we had already started work organizing Taos County and Guadalupe County. Just yesterday, we formed Mora County, and we got their testing and response getting ready to start next Tuesday. Wow. And today, we formed Rio Riva County, and we'll have another bigger meeting tomorrow. And so, you know, for that, again, there's building blocks. Everyone has them. It's about putting them together and then starting to coordinate, communicate, collaborate, and, and do as much as you can in very rapid cycles. So absolutely, I think there's something for everyone in this. And I think the big thing there is, is that there's more need than ever before mm-hmm. everywhere, including mm-hmm. rural. And you know what? Necessity is driving innovation. And you know who's always been great at innovation? Rural health, because we've That's always right. had to make something out of nothing. So now everyone's looking at us and saying, how do you do that? How do you make that stretch so far? And and we've got to teach them how, how that's done and that's together. And everything that you just mentioned truly is, you know, because I do work with the National Organization of State Offices of Rural Health on National Rural Health Day. And our hashtag is power of rural. And the power of rural is everything you just said. It is innovation, it is communication, it is education, and it is collaboration. True and true. So real quickly, um, before I, I let you go and I share with our listeners more about our um, about our event, who do you think would benefit? You know, because, you again, you said earlier, you need a community champion, but a community champion needs a team with. So what we're hoping to do is draw small groups of community champions. We don't want people sitting next to each other at a conference room table. We want everyone to be able to kind of dial in from their safe place and make sure that they are practicing social distancing. But if you had a wish list of who we could get to participate in this event, who would you invite? Well, I think one, again, common building blocks for for communities is just about every county has a health council. Okay. And so health council members oftentimes make up um, subject matter experts from from not just health, but from education and from food services and trans- et cetera, et cetera. So health councils is a, is a great place to start. Um, you know, school boards, you know, oftentimes have to do many of those things. Um, so, you know, I think it is really looking at what are those building blocks within your community of folks where we already get together and organize. And probably many of those folks are already meeting via Zoom or, you know, whatever other um, platform they can meet. And so, yeah, I think that's those are really the groups. Leaders in in any one of the ten vital services. It just so happened I'm a leader in healthcare um, that stepped up to be co-director. But my my partner is a sheriff, so he's a yeah. he's a leader and a subject matter expert in public safety. And so it can be anyone. This isn't only for healthcare. I mean, it's very important in healthcare right now, but not only for healthcare. Right. Well, and he will be joining us for our event. And I do want to let everyone know that what we're planning is going to be free for everybody. 
Um, this is not a money-making uh, endeavor here. This is truly a way for us to be able to provide some, I believe, much-needed framework for how to, you know, my, my theme for 2021, you know, this year I was supposed to be on the road speaking like you were last year again. And my theme, you know, is always about stakeholder engagement, but I'm thinking more and more and more about my message around resiliency. And I think that planning uh, it has, is such a strong component of resiliency. And I, and I hope that what we produce here together will bring some of that much needed framework for that. Uh, Matt, I just cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your really busy schedule. Um, I'm looking forward to our 100% Community San Miguel County Listening and Learning event. And as always, I just want to let you know I admire and appreciate your commitment and your heart and your wisdom. Um, I, I count myself as a very lucky individual to be able to have this conversation with you today. Well, same to you. And, you know, again, we start here with surviving through COVID, but the foundation we're going to lay is going to lead towards a thriving you know, future. And so I think that's another thing is is free for everyone, but something to gain. And, you know, if you want to learn how an FQHC amidst the pandemic, you know, is now providing 100%, 110% of its normal access during normal times, and, you know, how that's good for, for a lot of things, not just healthcare, but economics mm -hmm. of struggling healthcare agencies, you know, join us. And, and that's something that we hope to teach everyone as well, because our communities need us more than ever. And so now's not the time to shrink. Now's the time to, to, to grow and be there better than we've ever been able to be. That's a great, that's a great sentiment to end it on. Thank you so much, Matt. And uh, I know we'll be talking with you very soon. Thank you, Michelle. Thank Take you. care. You have just listened to a very special Rural Matters conversation with Matt Probst. I'd like to invite you to join me, Matt, the authors of 100% Community and members of the San Miguel County New Mexico Coalition for a live and free webinar where we're going to explore the book, how they all work together to establish 100% Community, and how their plan is helping them to effectively respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, this free Impact Live 100% Community Listen and Learn session is Wednesday, May 27th. That's Wednesday, May 27th, and it st starts at 11 a.m. and it goes to 1 p.m. So it's a two-hour event, and I promise you it's going to be so packed with information that you'll want to hear. Now, we do have a limited number of virtual seats for this event, so be sure to check it out. You can learn about the event who should attend, how to register, and all that good information by visiting doitwithimpact.live. Again, that's doitwithimpact.live. Before we close out this episode, I also really want to thank our sponsor, RME Collaborative. If you are a healthcare professional providing care to patients in rural and underserved communities, Visit RuralHealthCME.com to sign up for their monthly newsletter and access their current educational offerings. RME Collaborative develops high-quality, complementary, continuing education programs that are tailored to your specific needs. If you work in a rural clinic or hospital, you can partner with RME Collaborative on your next quality improvement initiative. Visit RuralHealthCME.com to learn more. As always, I do want to thank my producer, Michael Levin Epstein, and all of you uh, for including Rural Matters in your podcast playlist. I can't tell you how much we appreciate that, and I really love hearing your feedback on social media. It means so much to me. If you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic to learn more about how you can join us, 
or partner with us uh, or sponsor us, please do uh, send us a message uh, via email at podcasttoday at gmail.com. Of course, that's podcast the number today at gmail.com. We sure do appreciate you following us on Twitter at Rural Matters Pod. Uh, and also you can follow me if you wish at MRB Impact on Twitter. I would love to have you join me for those uh, online conversations. So thank you all for listening. We hope to see you at the Impact Live event with Matt. And we'll talk to you again next time on Rural Matters. Thank you.